The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. As an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Psalm chapter 37, verse 7 through 9. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And if you're in kindergarten through fifth grade and you'd like to go to children's church, please join the volunteers by the Kids Zone sign. And if it's the first time that your child's been to children's church, go with them to get them checked in. All that to drop it on the ground. That's on me. I love that Mary Lou prayed that we would have fun in the car with our children. Mary Lou still believes in miracles, and I love that about her. Um, Yes, this morning, ironically, we will walk through the fruit of the spirit of patience. I have to tell you, patience... Uh, a lack of patience is probably one of my, personally, my biggest sins. It's like when I pull up to a green light and we're stopped because someone is looking down on their phone and something inside starts this aneurysm that I can't stop. (laughs) And I want to engulf that car with eyeball fire. Getting out of the car... When I was a young single man, I used to pull into a parking space, turn the ignition off, open the car door, close the car door, and walk inside. Now, I pull up, remind everyone that they'll need to have their shoes on before we exit the vehicle, turn off the car, open the car door, open my car doors, help people find their shoes, help people who need a last-minute stack, try and encourage and comfort someone who's throwing a temper tantrum, And the store closes before we get to the doors. (laughs) Or how about at the store with Erin? She'll be shopping in the few moments she gets to herself. She says she knows she's running out of time with me because I'll start lingering closer to her while she's shopping and I'll start saying, all right, all right, all right. And she said she knows how much time left depending on how frequently and how loudly I'm saying all right to subtly signal that it's time to go. Or how about when Amazon took down their two-day shipping? I felt personally offended. 
we have these ways in which you're so impatient about small things. And it shows up in my life everywhere. I want my life to be like Burger King. Your way, right away. Do you struggle with that? Well, there's these fun and silly ways that we see that we all struggle with impatience, but there's also really deep and sad ways. It's we want what we want, and we don't understand why God won't give it to us now. Why won't God give us this baby now? Why won't God give me a spouse now? Why won't God fix my financial situation now? Why won't God fix my marriage now or my addiction now? I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I want it now. I want it my way right away. You ever struggle with that? This morning we're going to look at patience. We wanted to divide it up so that we realized and embody that there's different kinds of patience. There's patience of God with us and our sin. There's patience of us towards God. That we're waiting on Him. We're waiting on Him in the trials and struggles of our lives. And there's also patience that we need for one another. And so since we all struggle with patience, let's pray and ask God to bless our study of His Word this morning. Lord Jesus, would You have mercy on me, a sinner. I thank You and I praise You for corporate worship and for the sermons and the Spirit and the sacrament, the ways that You actually transform us, that You move among Your people. I've seen them be encouraged. I've seen them change and transform. I've seen them be generous. We ask now, God, that You would make us patient. We are so impatient with our spouses, with our children, with our co-workers. We're so impatient with our housemates, neighbors. God, we're so impatient with You. Would You please transform us as your church. Move among us even today by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I'm preaching on patience today. Yesterday, I was taking the kids to the pool by myself because Aaron had been home with the kids all week and needed a break. And so I take the kids to the pool by myself knowing that I have to preach on patience this morning and so I go in ready except one of my kids I don't want to embarrass him so I'm not going to use his name we'll call him Connor one of my kids loses his stuff he loses his mind he is angry that he's forgotten shoes to go to the pool and that I won't go back to get them he is angry once we get to the pool that he has to put on sunscreen He is angry that dad likes to spray sunscreen when mom is willing to take time and do the lotion sunscreen. He is angry that it's not yet time to get a snack. He is angry that the temperature of the pool is too cold. And for 30 long minutes, he threw a temper tantrum. He just stuck to it. And I knew I had to come see you tomorrow. And so I was slow and I was gentle 
I even sat with him for a while and I was like, do you want to breathe in and breathe out and try and slow ourselves down? And he said, it's hard to calm myself down. And I said, I know, buddy. It's hard to calm me down too. Let's breathe and let's slow down. And finally, after 30 minutes, he turned and got in the pool. And I made it. (laughs) And I get to feel good about 30 minutes of patience when I knew I was going to have to talk about it in front of you. Imagine how patient God has been with me for all of these years. Patience of God with us is enormous. We get bothered trying to get out the door. And yet He shows His patience to us in this. This is from 1 Timothy 1.16. This is Paul talking in sort of some of his deathbed letters to Timothy. He's not gone yet, but he's come to the end of his ministry except for writing. And he says this in 1 Timothy 1.16, But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners... Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. His immense patience. Paul comes to the end of his life for the first part of his life. He's killing Christians and he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. And then Paul is transformed by meeting Christ And Paul lives the rest of his life trying to advance the gospel. And as he gets to his deathbed, he believes because of his nearness to Christ that he's the chief of sinners, the worst of sinners, and that God chose him on purpose so that we would look back and see if God could have mercy on Paul, if God could be patient with Paul, of course God can be patient with us. That Christ Jesus might display His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. Paul's saying, look how wretched I am. And yet he had patience for me. And the word for that for you, Christian, who already put your trust in Christ, God has patience for you. God has patience for you. Immense patience. And I know that you're beating up on yourself over and over again. You're saying, I know I've ongoingly done this thing over and over again, or whatever it is, I've fallen, and when I said I wouldn't fall over and over again, I know that he's mad. And what he's saying here is God is patient with his people, immensely patient with his people, even with the worst of sinners in Paul. This is this in 2 Peter 3, 9-10. through The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What He's saying is is that I'm patient with the chief of sinners, and I am patient with the ones who haven't found me yet. The reason that He delays is because He wants more and more to find Him. If you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, isn't that different than what you've thought? That he's coming and he's coming angry. That he's impatient with sin. And he sits aloof with his arms crossed. And he's impatient with who you are. And so you've stayed away from him. But what you haven't heard perhaps is that he's patiently waiting for you to come to him. He delays because of patience for you. So we have patience with that everyone would come to repentance. And patience For the worst, the chief of sinners. Friends, 
I want you to see that. I want you to see that he has patience with his people. Listen to this. Thomas Goodwin, one of the Puritans, said it this way. Your sins move him to pity more than to anger. I can just feel in the room sometimes when I say something like that, people are like, no way. Could it possibly be that good? Goodwin goes on to say this, your sins move him to pity more than to anger. Even as the heart of a father is to a child that has some loathsome disease or as one who is a member to as one is to a member of his body that has leprosy, he hates not the member for it's his own flesh, but the disease. And listen to this. And that provokes him to pity the part affected all the more. Do you hear that? Goodwin says this, if your child becomes very sick, you do not kick the child out. You weep with him and tend to his needs. Christ responds to our sins with compassionate, despite his abhorrence of them. I know it's hard to be read to. Listen to one more of these by Thomas Goodwin. He says this, although personally sinless, Christ bore all the sins of his people. His knowledge of our pain, along with the memory of his pain, moves his heart to overflow with compassion. When God sees that you can't turn it around, when God sees that you're not getting any better, when God sees that you're a mess and that you haven't made as much progress as you thought you would, God has patience for you. We're supposed to believe that. It's the testimony of Scripture. Actually, you could say the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a story of patience. Patience for when the, the son is going to come back who's had his heel struck, but he's going to kill the snake. Patience for God as we wait in Egypt for 400 years. Patience as we're waiting for a king, a better king. Patience as we're waiting for God to come back after 400 years of intertestamental silence. And then Jesus comes and pays for our sins and dies our death so that we never will have to and then vanquishes death, comes alive, leaves us the Spirit and then says, wait for me, I'm coming back for you. The whole story is a story of God's patience and our patience and our patience with one another. What I want you to believe is that God is patient. It took me forever to get this, even in seminary. You know, if you're ever reading through the Old Testament or you're reading through a children's Bible with your kiddos and the, the 12 tribes just keep messing up. God will be good to them and then they'll run off and get idols and then something terrible will happen and they'll call out for rescue and God will move in and rescue them over and over and over again. And it, early on in my life, I was like, why, why are these tribes so terrible? Why so slow? Why do they always run back to their sin? And then you get to the New Testament and you see these disciples and we've been talking about them in Mark messing up over and over again, fumbling about themselves again and again. They get it and then they mess it up. They get it and then they mess it up. And as I'm sitting thinking about them, I'm like, why did he pick these guys? They're so slow. They're so quick to run off to their sin. And then it hit me. Oh, maybe that's the point. 
God's patience with people who cannot get it together in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and in the life and times of Jared Hoffman. I am supposed to err on the side of thinking that God is patient with me. That the wrath that He has for sin and sinners is poured out already on His Son Jesus. And that now I experience the patience and grace of a tender Father. Friends, God is patient with you. He knows it's going to take a long time to transform you. You see, we like to think of our our growth, our spirituality in terms of 24-hour increments. And as best as I can tell, this is just one pastor's opinions, the best that I can tell is that it's about in five years. That doesn't mean you will not make progress until five years. What that means is, is that if you pick a point in your life and you go, where was I five years ago? And you're like, ooh, maybe I am making some progress. But we like to move it 24 hours back and go, oh, no, see, I'm the same as I've always been. And it's because we have a higher opinion or we have a faster expectation of how quickly it is that we change. But God does not have that same too high of expectation of the pace in which you will change. He knew from the beginning it would take you your whole life long until your deathbed. And then He'd move you into glory and actually clean you up. We have the patience of God. Is that He's moved with pity, not anger for us in our sin. Well, it's not just that we have the patience of God but it's that we need patience with God in our trials and difficulty. We need patience with God in our trials and difficulty. Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord and He turned to me and heard my cry. Or how about this from Psalm 37, 7-9, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. He's saying, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And then this in Romans 8.25, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Yes, because of the patience God has for us in Christ, we are called to wait patiently for Him. But He knows that it's hard to believe. He knows that it's hard to understand why you would ask for a baby and not get one. Why you would long for a spouse and not find one. Why you would want a healthy marriage and can't stumble your way towards one. Why you would want to be free of financial burdens and you just can't seem to add things all up. He knows that it's hard to believe. We have this weird perspective that God thinks that it should be easy for us to believe. That God thinks, His perspective towards us is that it should be easy for them to believe down there. And that's not true at all. And that's not biblical at all. Over and over again in Scripture, we see that God is kindly convincing us to believe. Listen to this. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. This next part's about y'all. This next part's you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
He knows that it was hard for you to believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 21 or so chapters of John, and all of it is because he knew how hard it would be for you to believe. When you're struggling and when you're low and when you're discouraged, bear patiently. Keep showing up here. Keep showing up here. We're connected to one another. Bear patiently in your grief. And I don't think it's easy for you. You've lost real things. You've suffered. You've hurt. You've been wounded. You have lost. But the Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Say, Lord, I don't understand it. In fact, Lord, I don't even like it. But where else would I go? You have the words of life. I will bear this burden. I will stand in this suffering. And you won't suffer, you won't suffer it alone. You'll be here, and we will put an arm on your shoulder, and we will encourage each other, and we will walk with each other, and we will pray. And when it's hard for me to believe that God loves me, you'll remind me. And when it's hard for you to believe that God loves you, we'll remind you. That's what we're here for, is that we would, we would bear patiently with each other and with the Lord, and that we would stand up under our suffering and trust the fact the story isn't over yet. Yes, this is hard and horrible, and I'm right to be sad and angry, but maybe, just maybe, the story isn't over yet. Maybe there's more. That's why he's given us the laments. There's so many of the Psalms. The Psalms, they're called laments, which is basically David standing and asking, Where are you, God? Hey, man! Did you forget about me? And that's a gift God gives to us because He knows that it's hard to bear patiently the wounds of this life. And He says, and you know how you'll do it? You can be honest with me. You can tell me you don't like it. You can tell me you don't get it. And that's the kind of God ultimately that you want to worship. One that even when you don't get it, you can cry out. You can even cry out in anger and discouragement and He will still love you. Because when you cry out, it says, I believe in my heart that you love me and you're for me. And I don't get where I'm in. Do you see how that's faith? It's actually robust faith. It says, you're a God who has power and I know it. You're a God who has love for me and I know it. And this doesn't make sense. You're saying, I know you have muscles. I know you have compassion. So move, God. And we'll bear that with and for each other. And when I can't believe, you believe for me. And when you can't believe, I'll believe for you. And we'll bear patiently in the face of trials and difficulty. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Jesus on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, the answer to that, why he would turn away from his son, is so that he will never turn away from you. So you can bear patiently. You don't have to get it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to like it. But you can know this isn't the end of the story, and my God always comes back for me. Always. And he's coming back again. We have the patience of God for us in Christ and we can have patience with God amidst trials and difficulty and we can have patience with others. We have to. 
He's been so patient with us. My son, Cormac, and I, several years ago, we walked into the restroom at Urban Stack and heard some dad in the stall yelling at his little kid. His words were harsh and cruel. We couldn't tell if he heard us walk in. And he obviously hadn't because he raised his voice one more time to his little kid and said, you're being a little brat. So we freeze. And I'm sitting there thinking, easy, buddy, this is too much. I think that in my head. Cormac doesn't keep words in his head. He says them out loud. So he said, he's a mean daddy. (laughs) And they go quiet. And we go quiet, and I tell him we're going to wash our hands another time. (laughs) And we walk out of the bathroom. We need to learn patience with each other, mainly with your spouses. Are you a patient spouse with your children, your patient parent, with your housemates, with your roommates, with your family? with your coworkers, when you are in a meeting and that person who never stops talking talks again, are you patient? Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, not by calling them a little brat. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. That's part of how you develop this this spirit of patience in your life. Paul says it right there. He says, restore somebody gently, but watch out, because you yourselves might be tempted. What he's saying is, if you have this perspective as you deal with people's sin, that if you too could fall into that, you're going to foster a sense of patience in your heart. Who causes a short fuse in your life? The sad part is we tend to blow up on the people closest to us and let the people furthest away from us get off easy. What sets you off? What sets you off? There's three areas. I, we Obviously, we want to be patient with others. We need to particularly be patient with the people in this church. In this church. Galatians 6.10 says this, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, I'm not saying we can be ugly out there. Y'all know me better than that. Ugly out there and that we can be really patient and forgiving in here. Of course, we need to be loving and wise and faithful and long-suffering out there. But Paul is saying here is that we actually have to do an extra measure of that in here. Because we can't do what we need to do out there if we're in here fighting amongst ourselves. So you have to have an extra measure of patience in your small group. You have to have an extra measure of patience with the people that you're serving alongside of. The people that say they're going to volunteer and then text and say they're not going to come. You have to be extra patient with them. The people in your Bible study, the person who's always sharing requests that are secret, prayer requests, and I can't tell you about it, but you've got to pray for it. And you're like, I'm not sure how to do that. You still have to be patient with them and gracious patience and grace with each other especially in this room because if we start fighting here then we can't do what we so badly need to do out there 
And so that means when you're being passive-aggressive with someone in this church, go and repair it. Or when you're being aggressive-aggressive with someone in this church, go and repair it. What it says is that what we've got going on here is more important than any single one of us in our hurt feelings. And so we must be patient with each other. We must repair it. When someone is telling me about a sin, I do this most of the time. I probably can't give myself 100% of the time, but especially if it's a grievous sin. When someone is telling me about a sin, I say in my head, and sometimes I say out loud, that could have been me, I could do that. That could have been me, I could do that. That's the Jared updated phrase for, but for the grace of God, there go I. That means as we begin to develop a sense of how sinful and broken we are, that the the frustrations and sufferings and struggles and sins of others will become less about how messed up they are, but an opportunity for us to see our own hearts. And I need to acknowledge as your pastor and as your leader that whatever you can get yourselves into, I bet you given the right circumstances, the right time and my temptation, I could get myself into it too. We're supposed to believe that. And guess what that does for me? When someone's telling me something and I know I could have done it, am I angry at them or do I have compassion on them? I have compassion. Whatever it is, I could have done that. You see, it it fosters mercy and tenderness for people when you do that. I could have done that. Or I might yet still do that. We have to have patience with each other we have to have patience with the church in this room we also have to have patience with the world patience with the world jude 22 it's one of my favorite verses jude doesn't have any chapters in it it's just verses and it's jude 22 and it says be merciful to those who doubt why do we stand and shout and point at a world that has a hard time living a holy life when we ourselves have a hard time living a holy life and we have the Holy Spirit. It should mean that we as God's people walk patiently with people for years, years and decades knowing it's harder for them than it is for me. And knowing someone was patient with me once and walked me into the kingdom, how can I not be patient with others? God has been patient with me and we will be patient with each other. We say, be merciful. Be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. This is a scene where in the New Testament, Jesus is eating with his disciples at the Last Supper in the upper room. And they all go around the room asking if it's them that's going to betray him. Who's going to betray him? Remember, they don't know that it's Judas. They're wondering, who's going to betray him? Is it I? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Twelve guys who followed him for three years and they're arguing at the table about which one is going to betray him. And by the end of that night, they're all going to vanish into the darkness. Imagine the patience that he's feeding them dinner, having washed their feet. He's feeding them dinner, having washed their feet, and he knows they're all going to vanish into the night. They're all going to pretend like they don't know them, and yet he goes it anyway. He goes it alone. 
And He goes to the cross and He dies this horrific death for you and for me. And then He conquers the grave, vanquishes death, puts an end to any of the devil's last hopes of winning. And He shows up to greet His 11, not 12 anymore, His 11 best friends, and they're hiding in a room locked upstairs. Imagine the patience it would require to deal with a lot like that. If it's me, if I go in there as Jesus, thank you, I'm not Jesus. If I go in there as Jesus, I'm going to say, fellas, what is up? How many times do I have to rescue you? How many times do I have to teach you and exhort you? How many times will we do this over and over again? I'm going to go find new disciples, better, cooler disciples. No, Jesus comes in after the 11 are weeping in an upper room, and you know what he says? Peace. Peace. You see, he's always known what it's like to be patient with mess-ups. Again and again, we've seen him do that. He's gracious to us. And so he says, I've been gracious with you, patient with you. You go and be patient. The most pe patient people in the world. Can you imagine if your spouse stands at your eulogy says, surely they were not perfect, but they were patient with me. Could they say anything better? Or your kids, after living a long life and trying to live as well as you could, trying to live a godly life, and your kid stood up at that lectern and said, he wasn't great all the time, she wasn't great all the time, but she was patient with me. We're basically impatient with people because we want to be God. We want to be sovereign. We want to choose what is the right way to do things? What is the right way to load a dishwasher? What is the right way to drive a car? What is the right way to live a life? And when people get in our way of control, it makes us angry instead of patient. The Bible said it is our glory to overlook an offense. It's our glory to overlook an offense. And those that are wise have patience. And then lastly, we'll close here. You have the patience of God for you in Christ. We learn to have patience with God amid trials and tribulations, walking with one another. And then we have patience with each other. The outside world, with the church-believing world, and patience even with yourself. Patience even with yourself. A few years ago, I was in my backyard. It was late at night. I was by myself and angry at myself. And I was just losing it on myself. Not out loud, because crazy people do that. But in my heart, I was just yelling the meanest, shamiest, blamiest things I could say about my character and my ministry and my parenting and my husbanding and my pastoring and just beating myself. And do you think Jesus hung bloody on a cross so that I would keep torturing myself with words like nails. Sanctification, the process of being changed to be more like Jesus, goes slowly. God knows that. It's just us that haven't admitted it. That's why you're safe to be a sinner here, because I expect that you are, 
because I'm the worst one in the room. It's going to take us a long time so we don't have to gossip about each other or point at each other or whisper at each other because we know they're a sinner because we are one too. But be patient with yourselves. God has been patient with you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you're so patient with us. We pray that you will teach us to be patient with you. And teach us to be patient with others. Those in the world, those in the church, those in our households, even ourselves. Would you foster a deep patience? The people of God, instead of known for being angry and short-tempered and quick to speak, would you teach us to be patient? And in our patience, they would see the God of patience. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God, instead of known for being angry and short-tempered and quick to speak, would you teach us to be patient? And in our patience, they would see the God of patience. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.